Welcome to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast for the week of June 27th, 2022, alongside Hunter Pulaski and Petoskey. I am Peter Garber in Chicago, Illinois. We are presented by Reed Furniture in beautiful downtown Petoskey. Whatever your furniture need, it's Reed indeed in this week's episode. Wow, a lot to get to, including a lot of local stuff happening in the state of Michigan. Got the Michigan Amateur underway at Hawk Hollow and Bath. Got some Michigan players in final qualifying for the Open Championship, which is coming up in a couple weeks. We'll tell you who's playing well at final qualifying. The Michigan Women's Open is underway at, underway at nearby Crystal Mountain. Get you some live updates from t- day two of that championship. And then, oh boy, did we have a week on the big tours. Lexi. Gives another one away at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship at Congressional. A heartbreaker on Sunday. Patty Harrington wins another major, outlasting Steve Stricker at the U.S. Senior Open. Pierceson Cootie gets his first Corn Ferry Tour title and also discussed his reasons for not going to live. Speaking of the live, we had the first stateside live event this week at Pumpkin Ridge in Portland, Oregon. We also have some new signees to the live tour, including Matthew Wolf and Carlos Ortiz. We'll get into that a little bit. And of course, we got to spend some time on the John Deere classic. One of my favorite events of the year, been there a couple of times. So I'm excited to talk about what's uh, what some people will call a weak field this week, but uh, some big opportunities for some of the emerging players on the PGA tour this week. But first, the travelers championship delivered a heck of a week and a terrific Sunday as Xander Shoffley overcomes a late charge from Sahith Gala to notch his first individual title in three and a half years, Hunter. Can you believe that? And sixth PGA Tour title in total. Your takeaways, Hunter, from the Travelers Championship in Cromwell, Connecticut over the weekend. Uh, I, I feel darn right awful for, for uh, Sahith Gala for I thought he I, I thought he was set up for success coming down the stretch. I thought he kind of had, we, we often talk about needing to like have those moments where you, you fail to, to learn how to succeed. Kind of thought that happened at waste management. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe we're going to need, we're going to need one more, one more go at it. To, I, I didn't see the tee shot, to be honest with you. I, like, I was kind of looking at my phone and then I saw where he was and I kind of caught half of the discussion with his caddy. But what did he hit off the tee that it, because that, that seems like the, the root of the issue that he, he hit a driver off the tee. And there was that Faldo uh, immediately <laughs> when, was in him was into him about hitting the driver. When has Faldo and not been I think maybe even before he hit it, but he swung really hard at a driver. He kind of swings, you know, he has interesting action. So can you really tell when he's swinging hard? Because there's a lot of movement going on every time. But it, it looked like he you know, gave it a little extra lash. It almost looked like he felt like he needed to make a birdie was sort of the way that he was acting. And yeah, he just, you know, he likes to hit a cut. And when you overswing, usually that cut starts a little farther left and goes a little straighter. And that's exactly what happens. So he ends up against the lip in the bunker. And I mean, I was, I had a buddy who had a Thigala ticket who was on his way to the airport. So he's like, text me the play-by-play. So I'm I'm like pretty in tune. I'm watching everything because I'm thinking I'm responsible for updating this guy who's like trying to cash this 70 to one or whatever. And it did look good. 
it did look good. It did look like he was going to make it, but I texted my buddy and I just said, he has to hit out like kind of sideways now because he's right up against the lip and he doesn't have a shot. Could he- and then I had to text back moments later. Wait a minute. He's actually thinking that he might get this ball up by the green. This could get bad. Hold on to your hat. But it was, I, I just wonder about not having been in that moment. There must be something going on, you know, with like your chemistry or whatever, where you get sped up or you get nervous probably isn't the word, but like things start happening a million miles an hour. And they touched on that in the broadcast. That's the hip had said that he felt like that at waste management. Well, it looks like that happened again because he had no shot going forward. The second one he hit just got lucky. Like it cleared the actual lip and then hit into the face and just kind of like bounced forward. It's not like he hit the second one was a good shot or that he, you know, he just kind of was fortunate to get out of there on his second try, but there was no way you could look at that ball. I know we're not standing there and TV doesn't, you know, fairly approximate undulation and depth and that kind of thing. But you could just look at the ball, look at the bunker and say, Hit your 60 degree, get it back into the fairway. That is your only shot. And his caddy did just about, said just about all that. I mean, as much as he could. I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. He, he made he a- tried to advance that ball in the way that he did. It just like it was one of those situations where it was just unfortunate because everyone's watching. It wasn't like the Mito or just made a bad swing and maybe should he not have pulled driver there. That was a terrible decision on Sahith's part where his caddy, everybody else in his group, everyone watching TV knows he's about to make a swing that is going to end in tragedy. What's what's the old saying? It's like the the first sign of pressure is poor decision making. And that was maybe didn't he he made it sound like he he scalded that. He scalded his second shot. Did I read? I see that quote. He had to have been talking about that shot. He goes. He goes. Not in a million years. I think I would scald that. So did he hit it poorly? Oh, he must have hit the first one. Yeah. I mean, I know. I know the lip was steep, but if he had his highest lofted, he was 105 yards out. So that would be a full wedge, probably. I mean, I don't think it was. Probably not the. Uh, do you? I think he. 105. I, I think it was 105 to the front. Okay. There was no way he could have hit that ball 105 yards. There's just no way. So do you think he was trying to just get to like 20 yards in front of the green? Up I think and down? he was just, yeah, I think he was blacked out. I don't think he really knew what was going to happen. He just figured, well, I'm just going to swing hard, hit ball first. <laughs> and then, you know, if I get up by the green, awesome. Worst case, I probably get out anyway, and I'm just somewhere up there in the fairway. He didn't think about, well, if I miss hit this, I'm dead. I'm right back where I am because the literal lip, like the the part of the bunker that's dug out, you could see exposed, you know, maybe four inches or so. And that's what he hit. He did not hit the grass. That ball never cleared the cutout of the bunker. No. On the first try. So I'm sure the contact wasn't good, but you can't. That just shows that he's, you know, in a little bit of denial about what he had done because you can't go that <laughs> You don't go you don't try a miracle shot, have it fail and go, well, no, that was still a good idea. I just didn't hit it right. That just means you're in denial. That just means you're not willing to accept that your decision led to a poor result that you were asking too much of yourself. 
And it was shocking because it all happened on that one hole. He was bogey free. Yeah. <laughs> he was rolling, dude. He was fine. Still he bogey played, free. He played, he played 17 holes well enough to win it. Hit one bad drive. It's like, oh, I hit a bad drive. You pitch out. You try to make a par. You might make a bogey. But that was wild, that decision. And then that's probably the story of the tournament. But the fact that Xander hasn't won in three and a half years, that's when has it really been that long? And six PGA Tour titles. It was a tough Sunday for the Cantlay is better than Xander crowd. Of what you know, team of which I am the team. I was, gonna, I was gonna say, so what are you? <laughs> have you ever seen a player of that caliber play a worse round on a Sunday? I mean, he chunked it. No, no, no. That was that, that was not a chunk. That was there was no grass behind that ball or in front of that ball. I watched that. I watched that video. So what was times. that? I don't know. I have no idea. But there was no chunk. Like there was no. He did not hit behind the ball. That or in front of the ball, rather, that did not happen. He just, I don't, I really don't know because it didn't go, it wasn't a shank because it didn't go right. I mean, it was a dead straight ball that just landed 75 yards short of where he wanted to. And not on a long, not even on a long shot. No, no, it was one of the weirdest things. Um, but that was, that was such bad golf from Patrick Cantlay <laughs> after shooting seven under on Saturday. He looked like a 10 handicap, His, a true 10. He did. He did. Like he was, I was watching some of those shots and I'm thinking, I, that's what I did. I have. When his, I played bad. He had nine bogeys, a double bogey, five birdies, and just three pars in his final round. <laughs> For somebody that's. From, that and he like, went from solo second to like 13th or something crazy. Like for, imagine if you had a top 10 on Patrick Cantlay and you had to sit there and watch that on Sunday. Yeah, I feel like you. He's put with Xander, who they all they talk about is how. Did you know that they're good friends? Him and him and Xander. <laughs> <laughs> so it it turns. I I thought that that was kind of like the perfect storm. Whenever you play with your buddy, usually like I feel like you you have some good vibes going. <laughs> no, no, not for and like he prides himself on being like Mister Consistent. To only have three pars in a round is downright awful. Oh, it was ever it was everywhere too. It was off the tee. It was the irons. It was the late three putt that was just awful. Just bad, bad, bad. Really bad golf. Really bad golf and shocking to the point that it almost was like. And they kept showing him. It was like I get it. He's in the final group. Like he's a he's a marquee player, but it, he was lost. So every time they showed him hit a shot, the shot was terrible. I mean, they showed him hook it into the trees and have to. To re-t, you know, he hits it and he goes, no. <laughs> I was like, to get this guy off TV, you know, like it, this is like, if, if I was playing like that, I wouldn't want you putting me on TV. You know, it's no fun to be lost like that on a golf course. Uh, a couple more takeaways. How about uh, Michael, uh, Michael Thorbenson from Stanford just completely just rampaging his way up the leaderboard on Sunday. That was incredible to watch. I wish he, I mean, he like he made a couple of bad swings and he said after the round they weren't even like he he didn't feel necessarily pressure. They were just just poor swings. They happen. That par five he kind of shot the poodle a little bit on, but uh that was really fun to watch. Ten finger grip. You kidding me? 
Yeah, he probably wasn't gonna win anyway. So like, I don't, you know, big deal. He still, he still gets. He was fourth alone in the end. Mm-hmm. I think. Yep. Yep. Solo so he still gets a top five. He still gets the highest ever amateur finish at the Travelers Championship. Important distinctions. That I was, I was like watching him swing, and I'm thinking that's what I need to be working on. Cause that swing is so athletic and yet so upright, mm-hmm. you know, like he's really on top of the ball, but he's standing really tall, which to me has always been kind of an oxymoron, but he really thumps it. And it's very straight and very high without a lot of, uh, without looking like he's having to make a lot of effort. Yeah, no, I, I was, uh, I was wildly impressed with, that swing looks like it can play. Oh, he'll a be a lot here. of different courses yeah. in a lot of different conditions over a long period of time. I would say. I would say it helps. He's probably like six four, six five with with arms down to his knees. <laughs> yeah. That, that, yeah. Well, he does have kind. He's kind of got like a. Reminds me of DJ in a way. With yeah, or DJ's like maybe has like some Stenson, Stenson kind of. A, yeah, yeah, Adam Scott Stenson maybe. Uh, last, very like upright like chesty you know strong strong player yeah uh, uh probably a good thing that xander won this week because i i didn't realize this that this was his first time ever converting a 54 hole lead <laughs> one <laughs> one for five <laughs> that that narrative could have really taken him down if he would have lost well, this week. that's why patrick can't play shot 83 i'll throw you a bone here dude <laughs> this is getting tough to watch yeah, good for Xander. Good for Xander. Funny how Xander's the only guy on tour that wins and people still find a way to criticize him. Oh, yeah. Uh, last question. Who 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 would you rather have? Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick or Xander Shoffley right now? Who would I rather have? Well, what the hell does that mean? Like, who would you rather, if you were to go, you need somebody, I'm trying to think of a scenario, like a final round, Sunday, Sunday at a major, are you taking Matthew Fitzpatrick or Shoffley? If they're tied, Dude, that's, tied such a, that's, such a, that's such a terrible, that's such a terrible hypothetical. Awful. <laughs> just, you don't know. Horrendous. Like what's the golf course? What are the conditions? I, well, I think, I think we've learned that, that Fitzpatrick can travel pretty much anywhere. Exactly. And Xander cannot. So, like, <laughs> so I would say so. that Xander's the conditions surrounding Xander is Xander has a higher ceiling than Matthew Fitzpatrick. He's better on his best day. How many times does his but best Matthew day show up? Patrick has a much higher higher floor. Yeah, I think Xander finds his floor too often. He's still a pretty accomplished PGA Tour player. Hopefully, a player who's remaining on the live. If you listen to last week's episode, we were fearful of the fact that he may be going to live. Each with each, once we get to tomorrow, are we clear for the week on live? Are we already clear? On I think live? we're already, let's no, go I, to live. No, the field the field set. I think the field set for this week. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the new signees this week, Hunter, are Matthew Wolf, Carlos Ortiz, Eugenio Chikara. Mm-hmm. And is that did I miss any? I was trying to think if there's anybody that joined after we recorded last week. I'm looking at our So Chikara, for those who don't know, is going to live straight out of college. Uh, an accomplished collegiate player. What else do you know about Chikara? And did you find it particularly interesting that he left? Because I think Wolf, we kind of knew. Ortiz, we didn't hear reports, but 
it's I don't know that it's terribly surprising. He's an international player. He's not playing great golf right now. Uh nothing really crazy about Sakara. I, I mean, he was in that uh he was in that playoff that we talked about at the NCAA championships a few weeks ago. Um I mean he played like he was like six or seven under on his last thirteen holes after making a couple of doubles on the front. I remember I remember talking about that. I think he he's one of the few guys where I, I go like this makes a ton of sense. You essentially get to skip He's a good player. Like I, I think he can, he will qualify his way onto the tour when he when he wants to. He's probably twenty. Let me see how old he is. Because if he signs a like let's say a, a two year deal with the Live Golf Tour and he has no affiliation with the PJ Tour yet, I don't really see. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I think to go make a lot of money for a couple of years, get some experience, and then at least you don't have to worry about the financial side of things as much. Yeah, if they let you out of your deal. Did you hear that Schwartzel's money was no, against? No, nope, nope, no, nope, fake, 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 fake. You. What is the real that story? That is so fake. Brand, Brandel Brandel Chambly is is <laughs> a puppet for the PGA Tour. An absolute puppet. It's disgusting. I don't think doing. I saw. I don't think I saw that from Brandel. Yeah. So he was. Do we have the real story from Charles or from somebody who? Charles responded. Because I do think there's. If you have skepticism about the financial arrangements of live golf, you are certainly not conspiratorial. Like this is, there's some reputational questions there. And obviously the money is so disproportionate to the work that there should be a natural skepticism. So I don't know what Brandel has said or not said, but if you are thinking, if you see that story and you think, meh, that wouldn't surprise me. I would say you're you're probably pretty logical. And that see, I, I gotta ask, I just don't know enough and I don't know how like anybody would really yes, it is Saudi money, but I don't really know like what that should have to do with do they like not pay their bills? Do we have do we have proof that they don't they don't pay? I saw Brandel say something like they're sh- late on paying. I go, what is he basing that off of? So he said, um So he so he deleted this tweet uh, since then. So, but somebody responded to him, "How did you learn about the players' draw against signing bonuses? That that's very significant, if true. That's sneaky." And he quote tweeted, "I've heard this from a great many sources close to the players, which I found curious on one hand because I hadn't heard that prior to the event, but consistent on the other hand with consistent on the other hand in that this Saudi regime is well known for not paying or paying or being slow to pay. I don't don't know what that's based off of, but anyway, Michael Collins, ESPN, who I I have obviously, I will find any reason to be biased against Michael Collins, your favorite person, but I'm actually, he, he quickly (laughs) knows nothing. Yeah. yeah. So, so take this to the grain of salt. Um, he said, like something along the lines of it, like this is just not true. I have a, I'm sitting next to somebody that's seen Charles bank statements. Like it is, it's real that, or it's not, I mean, the money is not um, taken out of his guarantee. And then Charles actually responded to Brandel last night. Okay, good. We're getting directly to the source. <laughs> and Charles, and so it wasn't like he, he said, sorry, disappoint you, Brandel, but what you He's, they don't have proper English. Sorry to disappoint you, Brando, but what you claiming happened is untrue. 
<laughs> Brandel Charles said that yeah. or Michael Collins. No, this is I, I skipped Michael Collins because I forgot that Charles responded. Great Lakes Call Podcast where we recount Twitter threads. Yeah, and then Brandel Brandel said thanks for the reply, Charles. So you got the entire four point seven million on top of your guarantee, and Charles did not respond. So I, I think it is. See, um, I think it's yeah. Uh, we'll find out. We'll no, find out. We, I don't think. I don't. Sure. Charles I just thought that. I didn't realize that was fake. I didn't look into it. I was like, I'm so sick and tired of seeing all this crap. I just, I just scrolled right past it and was like, man, that wouldn't surprise me if that happened. No, I think I believe that that is not true. I mean, if Charles, I don't think I really, I I am getting a little, getting a little tired of Brandle though. Is Charles, yeah, he is thumping hard. A lot of people are getting tired of him. I don't think his ratios are looking too good. Um, (laughs) Is Charles a frequent tweeter? I feel like he's probably not on Twitter a lot. No, I have a feeling that like somebody was like, "Hey, you gotta go." F- hey, you, <laughs> you gotta tweet. go, and that's why he didn't respond because he's like, "Wait, he responded again!" Like, gosh, <laughs> tell this guy to stop talking. Um, are you excited at all for Pumpkin Ridge? Did you look at the gambling ads because they are ridiculous? Uh, I have not yet. Are they up? I have to take a peek. Oh, they're at up. Um. I think half the field is twenty to one or under. It's it's on un, it's unbettable. Hunter. Hudson Swafford has the longest odds at sixty six to one. And honestly, if I was going to bet anything, it might be him. Uh, I love to lose. I it just kind of depends on the time. So I think this I liked. Remember I said last or a couple weeks ago I liked yeah when I was yeah. in Europe because it was at like nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. But that was a two o'clock local time shotgun for them. So if they start at two o'clock, I don't necessarily love that idea. If you're going to go up against um, the tours, the tour actually being on TV rather than just ESPN Plus, um, we will get into it. But the the field in Silvis, Illinois, this week is not the best. So I could see a um, more of just a casual golf fan definitely leaning more towards live this week. At least there's some somewhat more household names. I mean, I, I think you take an average golf fan. I don't know if they could name 15 players that are playing at the John Deere this week. No, definitely not. Definitely not. So it's, it, uh, and it's going to be, it, we keep in mind, this is the beginning now of a really difficult stretch. Travelers is our, our last, you know, no offense to the rocket mortgage or that, you know, the state of Michigan or, but that that event doesn't draw names from a, from this uh, from a field standpoint. I love the event; it's well attended. It does a lot for the community. Same with the John Deere, highest per capita, I think, uh, fundraising of any of these events. These events are important, but from a competitive standpoint, a difficult stretch for the tour here as we go. John Deere. Partners in the Scottish Open overseas, alternate field against the Open Championship, um, Barbasol, uh, 3M, three, and then to Minneapolis and Ooh, De- Detroit. That is the next <laughs> six weeks on the PGA Tour. So incredible. There's that this that is. is going to be the test of. You know, does Liv start to grow over this six-week stretch because their main competitor is in the weakest portion of their schedule? And I think, understandably, a week after the announcements from the PGA Tour about 
highlighting existing events and then trying to do more in the fall, people are curious as to why you would not do more right now in the middle of summer when you have weak events. They know I understand people have to go uh, travel overseas to play in the Open Championship. But, you know, that's this is this is your this is your soft spot on your schedule as much as the fall when people kind of take a break from golf. They yeah. watch football for heaven's sakes. They almost I think the live tour almost kind of messed this up because the Portland event is the last event for the next month. So they like really they could have taken adva- more advantage of this the dog days of summer, the PJ tour, and, but their next event's not until the 29th, 20, 29th to the thirty first of July, and then they don't have an event. But that's the entire month. That's of still August. probably yeah. That's still probably as good as they could do though, Hunter, because they can't play against the Scottish Open. They're not going to play a tournament against the Open Championship. Oh, I guess and they're I was... probably not going to play one the week after that either. Maybe the week after, I guess that's an opportunity. But yeah, I guess you're right. I guess I was, I was kind of thinking we had long, longer time. Existing events the same way the tour does, but um, like, yeah, it's really 3M Rocket Mortgage and this week where you'd want to be on and to get going up against the these, or I guess two bar bar is it Barbasol that's the second. Of the two, it's Barracuda and Barbasol. I can't remember which comes first, but um, pretty pretty crazy that this is like what the tour has come to, where there is the Open in July, but then there's really like nothing around it. Like this is where I feel like golf should be more like in full swing, where in, in reality it almost kind of feels like you got the travelers, then you have a couple weeks off, and then you have the Open, and then you have a couple weeks off, and then once again, no offense to the <clears throat> events that are playing, but. What one? What was was that? Three years ago? Four years ago? That we switched the majors around? Are we longer than that now? No, I don't think it's longer than that. I couldn't say for sure, but so the PJ Championship would have happened like early September or late August in August sometime. Is that what it used to be? August, yeah, yeah. I just feel like we we'd lose out on coming. Like, I maybe it's just because we're from the Midwest and like this is our prime time golf season. That's well. That's what the playoffs are for. Yippee. Nice try. <laughs> yeah. Those are kind of like going into football season. That's like, okay, yeah, but we, you don't have a late major, but you have the FedEx Cup playoffs, which nobody's ever cared about that. No. We really don't. And then they really went full goofball circus show when you had to, when you have, an, you have a score next to your name when you tee off, which just still cracks me up every time they do that gimmicky crap. Um, that but, was, and you see how money already started messing up golf. Then it can work both as a tool for improvement, but also it's when it's the guiding sort of, you know, it can cause you to do some goofy things like create a, a golf playoff, which everybody sort of instinctively knows is that's not a thing unless it's called match play. Not a four event series or whatever, but anyway, I digress. Uh, final note on the live tour. I think that uh, Takara is just going to dominate. <laughs> like, he is the one player that is like still like very much developing into his. Like I think he's about to just win like fifty million dollars in the next two years. Well, he could. He yeah, is. A, he is a very good player, and I he's, hate to ice. Yeah, yeah. He's not really playing against the the steepest of competitions over there. Well, DJ should win a few of these too, right? I mean, is he really 
not just to see it's not practice not anymore i don't might not no i um would you if you were him why would you practice i don't know i also don't think that the centurion club that they played at the first time was a very good course for him at all it seemed like very it seemed tight off the tee it kind of had some like it was like through the woods um he's he's been great on courses like that well one of the straightest drivers on tour for like a decade well that decade is coming gone that's what i mean that's what... <laughs> all right well what do you want you should we move on to lexi yeah let's talk about lexi get this out of the way what do we even say about lexi at this point if you missed tournament over the weekend she found herself with a two-shot lead and just a few holes to go three to be exact And what happened from there is exactly what happened at the U.S. Open last year and what has happened several other times over the course of her career. Began with missing a two-footer. She then made a nice putt for birdie on the next hole after hitting a terrific, two terrific shots into the green there, which big surprise, Lexi's ball striking was pretty much phenomenal all the way through. And then it all came apart. She's greenside in two with the par five. And that moment right there said, that was it right there, don't you think, where you watched that and you knew. We, we talked she about shipped it. It was a tight little <laughs> shot. She had to go over a bunker and do a front section of the green. But she just hit. A twelve, a Patrick Cantlay shot because of her nerves. She kind of dove at it and just kind of dipped, and it. She basically bladed it over the green. Goes on to make you know make bogey when she's greenside in two, and meanwhile, Sean is making birdies. Uh, that we talked about ten handicaps. That chip shot was. One of the just not not shots you're supposed to see at major championship golf, especially in the final round, especially in the final group of a final round. She was coming, she was already on her downswing before she even took the club back. I think that was one of the quickest little jabs swings I've ever. I mean, it was it was not pretty, and I mean it was. I think you might be giving her a little too much credit. It was a, it was a tight shot, but it wasn't necessarily like. Like she should get that ball within ten feet, probably eight out of ten times. Yeah, she never should have made more than five. No, no. probably should have made four. Yeah. But uh, what do you what like if you were advising her? Because it's not just the putting. Like I know the putting's really bad, and she missed a lot of. She missed so many putts throughout the day. She probably should have been eight under at that point, not six under. But she did make the nice one on the hole before. It's not the putting. I mean, it's the putting in the way that it's the putting for Zalatoris, but oh, see, I for think Zalatoris, I- it's just the putting. For Lexi, it is the nerves. Yeah, like she, unless she's hitting a driver or an iron, she is susceptible to her nerves. I think the difference between Will and Lexi is Will's putts still go in for the most part. They just look really like Lexi's don't even hit the hole. They're not even coming. And from somebody that has had their putting woes 
and has putting woes that's present tense as well i felt awful for i mean i've been i've been in that that very similar situation and and that putt she had 18 like there was there was a zero percent zero percent chance she was going to make that zero point zero 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 there was no way and then she leaves it short when she knew she had to make it (laughs) like incredible she's a she's a hell of a player to be in like to be it's a testament to how good she is that she can put herself in these positions and then i don't know and you just can't leave that putt short absolutely can't and then she like she the three putt she had where she just blows it so far by uh, it's like lexi uh, lexi you can't make a three-footer don't don't try to get aggressive with it and it's just not <laughs> that she's aggressive it's that she's nervous like she is not thinking clearly she's speeding up her routine speeds up her swing speeds up as you mentioned on the chip like it's not like she's like i really want to make this she's just like dear god please let me win this tournament and she swings you know i mean she's completely lost control of what she's doing long putter i think she needs she might need a different caddy i don't know anything about her caddy i don't know how long he or she's (laughs) been on the bag that would be one thing that I might point to and say, you need a caddy with more experience and more major victories or something like that, or somebody with a different, a little more of an authoritative approach to being on her bag. Um, but we talk about failing before you succeed. We talk about a tipping point. This is she's been on tour since she was 19. She's playing, or maybe even younger than that. She's playing in tour events when she was in her, you know, mid-teens. This shouldn't be happening. No. No, this is it doesn't seem like a very much we just talked about with like the gala. I don't think he would do the same thing next time, but I'm very nervous that Lexi will do the same thing next time. And the next time I don't well, thankfully for Lexi, she did not make. Yeah, Sahith made a mental error. He showed inexperience. Lexi does not have. She's hers is a. It's like a, dude. It's a much bigger problem. I mean, I cheer for her every time. I'm heartbroken by the fact that she couldn't pull that out. I'm. I can't imagine how she feels. I mean, I cannot even imagine how she feels. I feel terribly for her, and it is that is the thing about golf is that. Sometimes that's what happens. That's what it gives you, and you have to sit there and so just just like grin a, and bear it. Some perspective. She was twelve when she first qualified for the U.S. Open. She's now twenty-seven. She turned pro when she was fifteen. 15. <laughs> so a dozen a dozen years on tour. And how about a little like a little salt in the wound that she got fined two thousand dollars at the end of the slow round play. for slow play. And they got put on the clock on 17. Yeah, did you see... I'm a big JT fan, but did you see that tweet he had? About not putting him on the clock. Yeah. Um, hey, maybe don't play in five hours and 45 minutes of the threesome, and then you wouldn't have to be put on the clock. I mean, we have to have some rules out here. That's. I understand it's the last group, and they're trying to win a major, but five hours and 45 minutes, that's a long time. But they should have been... How many times were they on the clock before that? They should have been on the clock. If you're playing at that pace, you should be on the clock out of the gate. You should be. I've seen, I've been caddied in groups where slow play has literally been penalized. So 
like you you that's you, you sh- I I agree with both of you. By 17 the ship is sailed. They're either being penalized or like you've taken five and a half hours to get to the 17th tee. The damage is done. Yeah. You don't just run to your next shot the last two holes and fix it. It felt like they got to get this in for the TV broadcast. And, you know, it, it didn't feel it didn't feel good. That's the other thing I'll touch on briefly. Get it on earlier. Damn. And then on Saturday, they literally cut away with two holes left so they could go to track and field. No, and I was like, this sucks. So you, and you couldn't even watch on Golf Channel. Because no. they, they, Patty Harrington was winning this senior open on the golf channel. So, you know, where he had to go to watch the ladies golf CNBC. Okay. Figure it out. That was a terrible look for the network, a terrible look for women's golf. <laughs> Put the track and the track and field is the beginning. But that, that can go on CNBC for the next 15 minutes. That could probably go on the on, uh, on the network. It was terrible all the way through. <laughs> it was like, oh, this is so embarrassing. You probably could put the track and field on CNBC.com and be just fine. I don't think you're going to have people shouting from the rooftops, asking, screaming, where's my Likewise, track and field? I went to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise, I went to watch on Sunday. I turned on at noon. It's a bunch of people swimming. <laughs> How about on Sunday? I don't even on the back nine, and this isn't on yet. I don't even think. uh, I don't even think uh, Chun's putt had settled in the hole yet. By the time that they had their everyone out there to do their ceremony, (laughs) it was so fast. Did you see Sanders post game? No, I didn't. Round interview. Oh, I saw how how quickly. No one did because it was Xander. How to go today? We're really good. I won the tournament. Okay. On to 60 minutes. It was, I I was, once again, I was kind of just looking at my phone and I, she made the putt and I swore it was 30 seconds and I look up and they have everyone out on the green giving her the trophy. I go, this is, this is ridiculous, guys. They just sprint out there, shove it into her arms, take a picture of her. Good on her, by the way, to uh, maybe like it's almost, is it cruel? Is it, is it poetic that Lexi, ends up losing to that that tournament to someone who you could argue is kind of in a, on a followed a similar path in terms of having early success going through something of a drought or having difficulties and then ultimately this redemption what a way to win to just build a huge lead completely give it back trail all day sunday and then just hit a couple really clutch shots and putts. I mean, she made everything, you know, all those short putts that she needed to make on the back nine. And she was just like, kind of, you know, just that just shows you that major championship, make a par, make a par. Fitzpatrick just outlasted those other players. And she just outlasted Lexi by waiting for the other player to make the first mistake. I was kind of waiting for Justin Ray to tweet how long it's been since somebody shot 75-75 on the weekend and won the golf tournament. That was pretty pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, not many people play Thursday, Friday to the point that you're up by six or whatever it was. Those leaderboards look funny when there's something about congressional and and big leads. And uh, 
good week for the PGA of America again. Yeah. The golf course looked amazing. Mm-hmm. It looked really good. Um, great venue, great condition, great setup. It was just a good, it was a good, uh, good event. It was right there for Lexi. They just gave it to her and she couldn't take it. Oh, close. All right. You want to, a lot happened on the, on the professional ranks. You Pierce Sincuti gets his first corn Ferry to her title. While all this other crap is going on. He's another one of these players to, uh, to watch for here and will likely now with the corn Ferry to her title be in the PGA ranks this next year, a guy with a, uh, presumably a bright future. Uh, very bright future. I mean, he, he absolutely died. He won by five shots, uh, at the work in work in Maine, Maine open. Um, mm-hmm. but just, uh, third, third tour start, I believe. Um, yeah. And he, and you mentioned, I don't know if you, if this caught the beginning of the recording, but he had some comments, uh, regarding the live tour and what was, what were the exact, it was essentially that he, he dreamed of playing on the PJ tour. He didn't dream of playing. He didn't dream of making a lot of money. He didn't dream of playing on the live tour. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had that conversation with people and I, that probably you and I maybe understand that better than a casual observer in the sense that we, we like Pierce and Cootie and the rest of these guys dreamt of being on the PGA tour. So I think I, I sort of, I know exactly what he's talking about and there's more, he feels more accomplishment in doing that than in getting to a position where he can go play for a rival tour. So it's an interesting, uh, interesting to see those comments in contrast with, you know, somebody like Shikara who maybe didn't have that same dream. It wasn't about the PGA tour necessarily as much as it was as golf being a way to uh, create a new life or something like that. You know, every, every player is different in that regard. Yeah, no, totally. And I think uh, final point on the live tour and PGA tour, I think there has to be something done. You have to give the top five guys tour cards, full tour cards. You have to do something. I, I that was like a big discussion on Twitter and you had like the, the earn it guys that were like, well, these guys didn't earn it. They, they got to work. They got to serve their time. It's like, you're going to lose these guys. You're going to start losing these guys to the live tour. Just give them a card. Not that what, what happens if they, the top five guys in the college ranks can play on the PGA tour. Well, I'm glad you touched on that because I think right now we just talked about this being a soft spot in the schedule. We talked about these guys, their college seasons are over now and you get into mm-hmm. late June, into July, you've got a week time on the PGA tour. You've got major championships that, you know, most of these guys are not playing and I understand they're trying to funnel through the corn ferry, but this seems like a logical place on the calendar for built in sponsors exemptions. If you follow Rob Bolton or any of these guys on Twitter and you're seeing the withdrawals and the ads to the John Deere, you're looking at Omar, you're nothing against them but some of these other names in this field, and you're thinking, why is that not Eugenio Chikara? Why is that not Pierce Sincuti? Why are you not, as Hunter says, you know, taking your TV show to the next level by creating opportunity for players who people want to watch play golf? I don't even care if you go down and grab 
next year's Davis Riley and some of these other guys who are top five on the corn fair, give them 1.5 points for whatever they earn on the PGA tour this week Yeah, towards their corn fairy status. You know, like I think there's ways to figure that out. And then you're bolstering the corn fairy tour by doing that. Cause players watch those guys on TV this week when they're watching the deer and they think, I think I like that kid. I'm going to watch him next week when he plays on the corn fair. Mm-hmm. So just a miss, I think a missed opportunity and totally agree with you in that regard to uh, give us access to some of these younger players and see how they stack up against the PGA tour players. Even if you're not formally granting them anything other than the opportunity to make money top 10, you're in the next week on the PGA tour there's opportunity in every event without any kind of formal status or anything being assigned to these, these players. You've got the PGA tour. You, you've got the corn Ferry. when you're in these weaker events and you're going down into the garbage bin for additions to this field, go to the up and comers instead, and you'll create a much better, a much more interesting week of golf. Yeah. I just don't, I don't really see the, so like Jakar's from Jakar's standpoint, he's 22 years old. I think he signed a three-year deal. He's probably going to go make a boatload of money. He's going to come back when he's 25. He's still going to be just as good. There's, I don't see much of a difference between having to go pay a little bit of money for Corn Ferry qualifying school and qualifying, because I think he will. He's the number two ranked amateur in the world. And then I just don't see the, the disadvantage for him as if he enters the PJ tour ranks or the corn fairy ranks for one year at 25 and goes from there. I just, I I, I see that path as a very good path for a lot of these college kids. So it makes me, it makes me a little nervous that we're just, and like this kid's from Spain, like you mentioned it, not maybe not didn't dream of being on the PJ tour. There's a lot of international game is pretty damn strong right now. I could see you, I could see this becoming somewhat of an issue. For the yeah, younger, for the grew up watching diff- yeah, yeah, watching different events than the ones that we were watching, and you know, just following different players. And yeah, I mean, it's 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 different. And as that international game game grows, lives an international tour. The tour the tour has to do more. What they did last week is not enough. No, no, because that They're really gonna- that hurt that like hurt a good majority of their tour. It just paid the it just paid the big guys. And the fact they didn't see that, like they didn't like see that rag on the wall, is just their self awareness levels are negative, like negative ten. They're ugly. It's terrible. Yeah, it's poor. It's poor. I'm 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 really concerned about it. But I'm glad to have something of a of a week off from it, at least in the sense that I can. I like Carlos Ortiz. I'm disappointed he wanted to go, but I could not care one iota less about losing Matthew Wolf from the from the PGA Tour. Just no. Save me a little bit of save me a little bit of money along the way too. And I think the Chikara commitment, as for the reasons we point out, is a really interesting story and shows the vulnerability of the tour as much as any other individual commitment, maybe so far. Because I think from in a certain way. DJ and Brooks and guys like that are maybe even a little more predictable. Um, but there's a lot going on in the in the in the state of Michigan. So I don't know where you want to start because we've got the Michigan AM, we've got 
final qualifying for the Open Championship going on. Some Michigan players involved in that. And we've got the Michigan Women's Open underway at nearby Crystal Mountain. A busy, busy week for Michigan golf. Yeah, I was going to quickly just wrap up. We mentioned it already was um, Patrick Harrington winning the uh, U.S. Senior Open. That was in Pennsylvania, uh, over one shot over Steve Stricker. Uh, Patrick Harrington played great the first couple of days, kind of just hang, held on strong. Um, I don't know if you did watch any of that. The course looked really sweet. And I guess it was actually the, it has hosted the most senior U.S. Opens or U.S. Open, U.S. Senior Opens uh, in the history of the event. I, I was yeah, not. No, that one was not on NBC so or CBS. So I was mm-hmm. watching the other two that were. Uh, offered as network options oh. i was i was reduced to watching highlights and, and replays for the uh well. for the old guys patty harrington if you've never seen it has such an incredible setup in his yard just follow him on twitter he's always doing like funny instructions they're not funny in the sense that he means them to be funny but they're funny they're so funny instructional funny. videos and stuff in his yard that's in fact, I think we've talked about that before because you watch him hit some of his shots and you're like, dude, your house is right there. <laughs> Are you not worried about taking out a window? I mean, if he ever has a day like Patrick Cantlay had on last Sunday, he's going to have thousands of dollars in house repairs. Well, hopefully he has some good home insurance. All right. We will now we'll get into a little bit of Michigan golf. Does that cover bashing your own house with golf balls because you built a driving range and circling your home? Um, you you would know better than I. I don't own I don't own a house, so the way you just said that, I would assume probably not. Yeah, I don't think so. All right, we will move on to a little bit of Michigan golf. So we had two guys that are in the final qualifying for the Open Championship. This is at. Uh, there are four locations. Uh, this is at Hollandwell. Uh, Tim Pierce, um, who we had on the show at one time, he is T23. Uh, he shot a 75 in his first round, and he is, I believe he is one over in this in his second round. The course is playing extremely hard. There's only two guys under par. Uh, the rating is, course rating is 76.4. Slope is 138. Um, and how many guys get through? Uh, four guys get through. So four guys get through from each location. So really, in reality, Tim is only uh, four shots out of qualifying at the moment. So if well, he, let's put a little charge together. It's thirty-six holes total. Yeah. So he's played. Uh, he still has what would that be like? Thirteen holes left. Fourteen holes left. So he can get a move in. Play those and a couple under, and he's got a shot. Exactly. And then uh, Ben Cook, also from Michigan, he is T27th. He is at uh, plus five as well. He is teeing off here at 4.05. So I guess that would be 11.05 Eastern time, I believe. And where is this golf course? Uh, This is is Hollandwell, which is... I just love putting you on the spot. Oh, which I actually have it right here, so it's all right. Um, Excuse me. So the course is situated in Natural Valley within Kirby Forest. If you're not if you're not familiar, uh, that is in uh, Rolling Hills of North Nottinghamshire. Nottinghamshire. You familiar? With, you familiar with am I am I striking out with locations? Are you familiar with this? 
I didn't realize they were overseas already. Yes, yes, I believe all four locations. I thought this was a stateside final qualifier. There's no final qualifier in the United States. Um, I do not believe so because I was actually. We don't need to get into the weeds on this. Okay. Actually... Well, how about those boys playing a little golf, having a little bangers and mash? Yes. So uh, let's hope they. We gotta get. Let's get Tim back on so he can tell us how his trip over the pond was. Yes, definitely. Uh, moving on to the 111th Michigan Amateur. Uh, this is at Hawk Hollow Golf Course in uh, Bath, Michigan. Bradley Smithson, the Michigan Open champion from a couple years ago, is currently leading at six under through round one. Uh, if you guys remember, they played two rounds of stroke play, followed by uh, 64 seed of match play. In second place is Charles DeLong. Third is Max uh, Rispire. Uh, Nick Bailey in fourth, Bryce Wheeler also in fourth, Greg Davies also in fourth, a whole group in fourth, so nothing really much below even par gets you in the top ten. So the course is playing uh, somewhat difficult here through the first round. On to... You ever played in the... You ever made it to the match play in that one? No, I never even played it. I really don't play it. I've never played in like any amateur events. I think I tried to qualify... I remember it because it was my senior year of high school, and we, like we had a, I played in a event alp the Alpine. It was windy as I've ever played golf in. <laughs> I shot like a ninety two, and then we had to drive straight from the Alpine. Like the team, the team suburban picked me up in the parking lot at the Alpine, and we drove down to regionals. And I don't think I played much better at regionals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alpine's a tough course in the wind. There's a lot of uh, elevation changes there. I, I specifically remember uh, hole number eleven playing had to have been playing like 230 yards. That part, <laughs> that part three, the wind was just <laughs> shooting straight up that valley. It was. Yeah, beast. yeah. Well, you're playing golf on a ski hill. Yeah, so, so that that's bound to happen. Maybe once, uh, maybe once Matt gets a little older, they'll I'll put that back into the cards. All right, and then what's going on at the Michigan Women's Open? Yeah, so Michigan PGA Women's Open at Crystal Mountain, the Mountain Ridge Golf Course. Uh, through one round, uh, Sandra Angula Monaro from Mexico is currently leading at 500 par. Amateur Olivia Stoll from Hazlitt is in second at 200 par. Macy Hubbard from Parker, Colorado is in T3rd, along with Jasmine uh, Lee from Madison uh, Heights, Michigan, also at minus one. So they have, this is a... Uh, <clears throat> three rounds of stroke play to determine the champion. So we will uh, give you a little check-in uh, next week. Have you, got, you ever played Mountain Ridge, the Mountain Ridge course? I'll tweet too. I'll tweet about it. Okay. I have not played there. Have you? I have. It's okay. Nice layout. Uh, it was a, it was resort course. So I think if it's yeah, more 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 golf and more golf on a uh, ski hill, I'm sure. Uh yes, yes, very much so. I, mean, I remember a hole that was. I mean, it was. Elevation change is 100, probably 100 yards. <laughs> right down the hill. No big deal. You need a good caddy out there. Um, exactly. All right. Shall we get into the John Deere Classic? Yes, I think so. I think that's all I have. Are you sure? Yes. You don't want to talk about the John Deere? Um, you know, the John Deere, John Deere, between just the fact that there's nobody playing and then it's 4th of July weekend... Might not be much John Deere on my t- television this weekend. Oh, no, well, you are going to be missing out on a beautiful 
TPC layout in Silvis, Illinois. Oh, you lucky dog. You're going to come up here up north. You're going to be able to watch it on Golf Channel, aren't you? Hot diggity dog. <laughs> He's not. I am going to be living large. Wow. <laughs> I, I, just I imagine uh, it looks like it's going to be about 80 degrees this weekend, and everyone's going to be wanting to go outside, do something outside, and Peter's just going to be sitting in front of his television on Fourth of July weekend watching uh, Adam Shank try to win, try to win in Silvis, Illinois. It's going to be a showdown between Shank and Hardy for the TPC John Deere this year. Now, it's got, always is an interesting event i think most people associate john deere if you're in the midwest you kind of like this because the golf course kind of looks like something you might it is a pretty uh, golf course very very pretty you might play as a you know it kind of has that parkland resort kind of feel to it um really nice piece of property rolling hills some water hazards kind of mixed in and out it's a good course it's you know you can be advantaged by having a drive a good drive uh, being a good driver, but there's a lot of forced layups too. And it really is comes down to irons and putting here. I think most people associate the John Deere with either Jordan Spieth or Steve Stricker or Zach Johnson. All three of those players have had a ton of success on this golf course and have liked this event enough to come back and, and play it many years in a row, which is not, something you see from a lot of the um a lot of tour players really what you see here in this field is a lot of the young guys um and some of the uh some of the older players on the tour who are still trying to maintain their status and then anybody who's in the open championship is either taking the week off or um has already made the trip overseas and is is uh, played in that pro-am yesterday or is getting ready for the Scottish Open uh, next week. So par 71, 72, 89 is the yardage. Plays short. Um, par fives are reachable. There's a reachable par four. I believe it's number 14 on the back. Um, good little hole down the hill. So... Um, and then a lot, some forced layups into some wedges and some short iron. So not really a long iron test, kind of an, like I said, irons and putting, we will get close to uh minus 20 or at least the high teens this week in terms of a winning score. You will need to make a lot of birdies. Never really see a ton of wind here. It is on the shores of, I think it's the Rock River, I want to say, but you don't really see the river very often. You may remember, you remember this, Hunter, when ZJ was putting for a birdie on 16 green, which is when you really do see the river. It's a short little par three. It's just like a little wedge shot, and it falls off down into the river on the left side of the green. He was lined up for like a 20-footer, and it was on the television broadcast. He was a contention, as it seems he always is when he plays this event. And a boat horn went off. Do you remember this? I don't know. And he like literally like he, he got like scared. Like he jumped and came out of his stance and kind of had like a I think some people remember that about the John Deere. It was a kind of a funny moment. Did I think he, he actually went on to win that. He didn't, win pu- that he didn't putt. It wasn't like in the middle of his putt before he putted it. He was getting ready to putt his butt and then I think they were almost I don't know if it was 
coincidental or what, but it was almost right in his backswing. He didn't hit. He just kind of like, you know, he like panicked. Like he looked around, like what happened, kind of jumped a little bit. It was similar to the film, about the same height as the film Mickelson jumped when he made the uh, winning putt at a, at Augusta, which has since been turned into his logo or whatever. Um, how, how far is this away from you? It's about four hours straight west. So, isn't it the, the, the uh, western, quad cities? Western side of yeah, western side of Illinois near Iowa. Beautiful ag country. A lot of lot of nice, rich, beautiful soil out there. I will say that's one thing. I mean, I know it's just like it seems kind of cliche because it's the John Deere classic, but the grass seems extra, extra green. It does extra green, Silvis. It does. It does. It does. Um, so why do you why do you like this event? But like you you'll like any other shootout event, you'll you'll be yapping up a storm saying how how it's not very good. Really? Is that what you think? Uh, I don't care. I, don't I think really you care. like you pick and choose which tournaments you don't like. It's very. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what the baseline is for you not liking a golf tournament. I like every tournament. Yeah. Yeah. I just think sometimes they screw them up and I don't like every course. There's nothing really special about this golf course necessarily, but I like these. I like that it's in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. I've been there a couple times. It's a really fun event to attend. Um, you know, it's just good people. It's Midwestern people. It's, uh, you know, a kind of a, you know, one of these, events on the tour that some people say might say is kind of like an underdog event. So, you know, I like to, I like to root for the, I like to root for the little guy and they do a lot for the community and I don't care so much about the event in itself. I just like the opportunity for these younger players to break through. And I like the stories that you get when you're, you know, when, when it's one of these quote unquote weaker events. I mean, this, this field is literally headlined by Webb Simpson. He was 70 to one to win the travelers last week. So <laughs> he's, this he's, is a different trending, equation though. in terms he, of what you're watching for. Yeah, that is a, a pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty incredible top of the board. We, we have yeah. here this week. I mean, you don't, well, do you want to go, should we go like to that? Uh, that tells the story as much as anything. I think any pretty much, any style of golf can win here. You have to get hot with the putter because you have to make a lot of birdies. I think you can certainly be helped by par five scoring. 10 is really scorable. 17 is really scorable. 14 is a drivable par four. You don't even necessarily need a driver. If you're super long, you can chase it up onto the green with like a three wood off the tee there. So, but there's, there's this, this golf course will will give you birdies if you're accurate. You know, you can play it however you want. If you're hitting it close and making putts, you'll be you'll be making plenty of birdies. So on the odds side, it's been an interesting week because there's been multiple withdrawals, as we mentioned earlier, which moved the odds. There's guys that opened at huge you know, at like much larger numbers than they are sitting at right now because they've been bet down. There's been a lot of variation between books. Um, so I'll give you the, I'll give you a look here at the, uh, at the updated DraftKings odds presently. They are a hoot. 
Let me tell you. Adam Hadwin. It's 10 to 1. You heard that right. Who? Webb Simpson. Adam Hadwin. <laughs> wow. Webb Simpson, 12 to 1. Christian Bazudenhoit. 20 to 1. Charles Howell. Charles Howell, 22 to 1. Denny McCarthy, who we bet at 65 to 1 last week, missed a cut, 22 to 1. <laughs> Yeah. Don't see myself betting Denny at 22. Maverick McNeely, 25. Sahith opened at 40. If you got the 40 good on you, he's down to 25. Rogers, I thought had withdrawn, but he's 35 to 1 if he's still in the field. Brendan Todd, 35. Nick Cardi, down to 35 to 1 from where he opened at 45. If you got the 45 like I did, I said last week he was going to win the John Deere. I think he might get beat by Adam Shank, but I'm not coming off of it yet. Even though his irons haven't been great, I like Hardy's chances here. He's got a lot of momentum and should have good vibes being in his home state. I also think this is a good course for him. It's not dissimilar from the Glen Club, which he played well at the Corn Ferry Tour just a few weeks ago. Jason Day, 35-1. to 1. Scott Stallings, Adam Long, also 35-1. to 1. Lucas Glover defending champ 40 to one cam Davis, probably your first sign of sniff of value there at 45 to one along with John Hunt, Nick Taylor, JT Poston opened at 75 to one, some higher. He is down to 45 to one. I'm in at 65. I don't know if I'd get in on it at 45. Shez 45 to one. There's my guy, Adam Shank. He's been bet down to 50 to one. Amazingly, I got him at 70. And then let's stop at Cameron Champ at 55, because I also bet him at 65 to one, which I thought was definitely value for a guy who played really well here through three rounds last year. And is willing to come back. And usually, if you're going to get on to Cam Champ, it's going to be because he's in a weaker field, which is these events that he seems to play his best in. Uh, certainly one of the more talented players in the field this week. Any guys standing out to you, Hunter, in that beautiful little uh, list of 55 and 55 to 1 and under players I just gave you for the John Deere Classic? Uh I'm not sure Adam Hadwin is 10 to 1 in his club championship at his home course, <laughs> let alone at a PGA Tour event. Yeah, no, I if mean, he wins, come on. If he wins as a 10 to 1 favorite, that is, that's an all-timer. That is an all-timer. My money will not be back in that. It is pretty funny to look at. Um, you can almost say that Webb Simpson's a value at 12 to 1 if you're really feeling crazy, but that yeah, definition of crazy. Uh, I think it's turn, it turns out for Danny McCarthy to make a lot of birdies. He has to hit the green. So I'm, 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 I'm also probably not going to bet Denny this week. I'm trying to figure out Denny's game still. Cause he can putt with the best of them, but if he's not on the green in enough shots or in few enough shots to have looks at birdies, then if all these putts are for par at a course that is going to require 20 under, I don't, I don't necessarily love, uh, yes, as Denny's Denny as Denny's irons go, so his scoring goes because his putter is pretty much always there, and they've been hot this summer. Mm-hmm. Took a step back last week. I won't be surprised at all if Denny 
wins this week, but I'll let him beat me at 22 when I can get Cam Champ at 65. Yes. Um, By the way, the full list of past winners here, this is kind of what I was talking about, starting in 2010. Stricker, Stricker, Zach Johnson, Spieth, Harmon, Spieth, Ryan Moore, Bryson, Michael Kim came out of nowhere in 2018. Dylan Fratelli won in 2019. No event in 2020, and I mentioned Glover last year, so Glover, obviously a great iron player for Telly, does it a little bit more off the tee. Michael Kim's just a steady Eddie fairways and greens. That was old Bryson fairways and greens. Ryan Moore is a great iron player. Spieth's a great putter. Harmon's a great putter. CJ's a great putter. Stricker's a great iron player. So again, who's hot with the irons and the putter? If you saw Danny McCarthy on that list 2022, you know, you wouldn't be surprised. If you saw... Cameron Champ 2022. You might be a little surprised, but I think it's possible. I don't... Um, so I just had to look up because I was curious. Average or birdie average per round, which ends up just really just being the top players. But a name that kind of... That was the first name that was on the on the odds board that's on here is is Charles Howell. Do we know? Yeah, and he has really good history here. He's sixth in course history. Yeah. Over the past five events. And he's here... And I think he's in pretty good form. I don't know what he did last week, but I've seen him on some leaderboards lately. I, I, I mean, I'm playing him in DraftKings. I like him. Just hard to get him. It hard to. <laughs> Are you going to click Charles Howell at twenty-two to one and put money on it? I really think we have to put ourselves. We have to remove ourselves from our from our natural beings and realize where we are, what we're doing, and how we would <laughs> never ever do any of this ever again. But to this week. Like what? Where? In what world would you ever bet Charles Howell twenty-five to one? That's what. I, that's what I'm. I'm not sure what you said he was, but that's what I'm seeing right now. Um, in yeah, what world? Well, that's why I like. Yeah, I like my card. I thought your card only had two guys on it. No, no, I just got more than that. Come I think on, your your exact that. words were. I'm all in on those two guys, but I'm hedging with some others. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Isn't that what it means to be all in? We're, we're pushing all the chips in on Hardy and one other guy. Okay, I'm in. I'm in you on Hardy. Some, reverse, re, some reserve chips in your pocket you brought out. Hardy, I think, is the first one at 45. I'm in on Champ, 65. I'm in on Shank, 70. If you, I'm in on Poston. 70. Oh, and I, forgot, I, I bet Ryan Bram 400 to one because I could see him popping here. So that's a little, uh, that's a little, uh, FOMO hometowner one, but I'll, I'll give you a name. Yeah, no, so really that's what like five, either. four or five, but yeah, I mean, mostly Shank. Mostly I really like Shank and, and Hardy. The Hardy number was tough to swallow, but the Shank value, Shank for those. I'm obviously, I bet him like I bet Bo Hostler, so I have a sickness, but he has reached 16 under in each of his previous two attempts here, which was good enough for sixth and fourth. Last year, he got to 16 under and then didn't play well on Sunday. Uh, similar to what Champ did. This is kind of like a Burns arc at Valspar, if you will. So, you know, I could see... Shank, if he's a couple strokes better, he's either in second or he's in a playoff or, you know, he's right there. So obviously there's something about this golf course that clicks for Adam Shank for him to get to 16 under two years in a row. 
um, 70 to one is, is clear, clear value in that regard. And then Hardy is just carrying the form. And I think is one of those guys that likes, like if you're betting Sahith, you know, which I would have at 40, if I had seen it, um, you know, it's, it would make sense to have Hardy on a card like that because they're, you know, probably pretty similar players and that they do it with the driver and the short game. And, um, they're in really positive form right now, trending towards their, their first victory. All right. I'm going to give you a name that I will be clicking on this week. I just thought of him. Um, Chris Goderop from the Oklahoma graduate that just, that just won the pretty sure just won the Hogan award. Uh, top, top college player. Uh, he just had a great finish. Um, he was playing really well at the open, the U S open. And we always talk about like, the desire to win. He is, he's plus 163 at top 30. That's like free money. He's plus 125 at top 40. He's 80 to one to win. I really like him. And he hits the ball a mile and it's very straight, very straight and very long. Yeah. That'll help him on a few holes here this week for sure. I'm as a little bit, a lot of love around got her up. Well, understand, understandably, understandably. So yeah, I, uh, um, Oh, I forgot about one of my other Illinois guys that I'm on this week, Doug Gim. Playing the hometown angle with Hardy and with Doug Gim. This is this is one of the golf courses that if Doug Gim's ever going to win a tournament, this is one of the ones he has a, cha- a chance on. A game like Zach Johnson and that he's short but steady, not as good of a putter, but just needs a, a week to get hot with the putter and could have some good uh, – Good vibes. He's in like the mid seventies or so. That's kind of that's kind of my range this week. I like the Howells and I, I like Pat Rogers if he's actually playing. I, I I like some of those older, more experienced guys who know how to get it around here. Um, but I, I'm I'm using those like Stallings even, but I'm using those more as DraftKings play, and I'm playing these younger breakthrough candidates as the outrights because it's just more fun and because Adam Shank's going to win this golf tournament. We'll see. You heard it here, folks. And if he doesn't win, then you got six other guys lined up ready to take. Exactly the, right. Exactly right. Take the they're, gonna do, I'm gonna, they're all going to finish one through one through uh, one through seven or whatever. <laughs> Strokes gained irons and putting last 12 rounds, just literally irons and putting. This could look like the leaderboard. It's Lee Hodges, who I love for top 20s, Poston, Bez, Todd, Hubba Hub, Homeless Hubbard. It's good, really good drafting play this week, I think. The Gala, Wes Bryan, another good drafting play. Simpson, Austin Cook. You got your app open. What's Austin Cook to top 20 this week? Got to be like eight to one. And then uh, Stallings is 10th on this list. If Stallings wasn't 35 to one, I'd get in on him too. Cause he's been making crazy amount of birdies, but I think he's a good DraftKings play also. Austin Cook. Keep scrolling, baby. Plus 335 to top 40. <laughs> uh, that's top. 30 actually that's not good enough no that's not for really austin good. cook my goodness guys uh, plus 200 to top 40 <laughs> this is not a regular tour event 
folks. Uh, some other names that I think might be interesting this week. Hank Lebiota, Adam Long. I think it's kind of interesting. Probably good draft games play. Pat Kazire plays pretty well here. I don't know how he's so wild off the tee, but I guess he just lays up off the tee here. A couple other guys that might be good for uh, finishing position or draft games. Let's go. Let's have, let's have a... Uh, Having Adam Shank week here. He's due. This is a week. We'll find out. <laughs> we will certainly. Will find you out. though? I'll be the only one. I'll be watching <clears throat> and tweeting. What is Sunday? Sunday is July third. <sighs> it would be unlikely, but maybe on if the. If Peter wins a bet and no one was there to see it, did it really happen? <sighs> We answer those philosophical questions and more on next week's edition of the Great Lakes Golf Podcast. See you guys.